Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. I think anytime you do that, anytime you go into a business or you go into any type of an enterprise with strictly the focus of, I'm going to make money and I'm going to make a lot of it, that becomes very temporary. I mean, life goes by super quick and your legacy is what you leave behind. Can I get it? Oh, yeah. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to the Enterprise Now podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. On this episode, I talk with Thom King, founder and CEO of Icon Foods, about the music industry, food industry, and most importantly, mindset. In this deep conversation, Thom explains how to shift your mindset quickly and how to let go of fear and anxiety, the two nemesis of the present. Check out my conversation with Thom King. All right, Thom. Can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Nice. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us. I know you are incredibly busy, but you decided to spend a few minutes with us. So thank you. Elsie, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk with me. So the honor is mine. The second thing I'd like to do is to ask you to tell us about yourself. Now, Tom, feel free to go all the way back to where it all started. Or you can start more current day. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, we can start in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's where I was born. So <laughs> This is going to go well, I can tell already. <laughs> <laughs> it's a place you're familiar with. And then my parents actually moved when I was pretty young to Colorado. My dad went to grad school at the University of Colorado. And I basically grew up, I would say, poor because we lived in student housing while my dad was in school. And... My dad got into the construction business and then he retired from it and he pursued ranching. So basically, I was free labor for my dad growing up on his ranch and within his construction company. But at the time, I hated it. I was like, what is this? This is terrible. I work for free and I get all the crappy jobs. But I think in the end, it helps me develop a really good work ethic, which has served me well through the years. So, yeah, so I moved from Colorado to Arizona and got into the broadcasting industry and then stayed in the broadcast industry until about 2001 and then branched off into my own entertainment company and started three record labels and a film production company and a television production company. And then I just got totally burned out with 
LA and with the entertainment industry. And I always had this deep, deep interest in health and nutrition. And that's when I became very focused on building my food ingredient company that specializes in natural sweeteners. So I left LA, I moved to Portland. And to be cliche, the rest is history. I built a company called Icon Foods and we're one of the biggest suppliers of natural sweeteners to food manufacturers. And then about five years ago, I got very much into ketogenic diet and how keto serves as sort of a modality for mental clarity, better health, reducing inflammation. And I wrote a book on keto. It was a bestseller on Amazon for a hot minute. (laughs) And then I launched a line of keto-friendly condiments under the Gigon Keto brand. And that brings us here to this very moment right here, right now in the present. Oh my goodness. So many questions. So I'm going to take a hard left and learn a little bit more about you. What's your favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do, this is going to sound so bizarre, but my favorite thing to do is to get up early in the morning and journal. It's become such a habit and it's almost like a meditation for me. So I just love to sit down with a pen and just start writing in the morning. Nice. So I'm going to ask you about a thousand questions about your entertainment background. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. The reason being, obviously, I'm in podcasting. So I'm really curious to know about your record label days. What was that? about? How'd you get into that? And tell me all about it. Well, I would say that my venture into the music industry, the timing actually was awful. So I worked for a company called Clear Channel as a regional VP of sales for Clear Channel. And so I got to work with a lot of artists and integrating brands into entertainment experience, which they called at the time experiential marketing. So that's kind of what I specialized in. And after 9-11, I decided to leave Clear Channel. And that's when I started doing a lot of freelance integrated marketing programs. And from there, I'm like, well, I should just start my own record label. And that's what I did. It was pretty easy. What was interesting to me at the time is I could see these record labels completely and totally just unraveling because they thought that they were in the music industry. But they weren't. What they were in is the plastic industry. So they were selling little discs, CDs that had intellectual property burned onto them. So basically music. And so the music was sort of the value added thing that allowed them to sell more and more plastic at this huge markup. So what happened is people started burning CDs and then there became iTunes and downloads and Napster. It really destroyed their business model. And now, I mean, I got out at the right time. But when I look back, or I even look at the music industry now, it's completely changed because people are no longer buying CDs. I mean, I don't know anybody who buys CDs or just download stuff. And that way, you're not downloading the whole album. You just download one song and then with streaming media. And I also think that with technology, it's put the power back into the artist's hands because you can be an artist and you're not relying on a record label. You're not relying on the advance of a record label and then you're not giving up 85% of your royalties to the record label that you're signed to. So I don't think artists are making as much money now because the market's more fragmented. There's more music out there and there's more artists. But I think it's beautiful to see people pull it into their own personal power to dictate where their career as an artist is going to go. So kind of a double-edged sword. I'm not sorry to see big corporations that were putting artists in chokeholds. I'm not sad to see them go. 
I mean, it's just sad to see some of the shifts, but it's also beautiful to see artists be able to take their futures into their own hands. Now, I want to try to weave these concepts together. So you mentioned you grew up and your dad was a hard worker and you kind of learned your work ethic from working with him in his company. You also mentioned that in your life and your experience, you learned how to identify what industry you're actually in. I heard you say that you're not in the industry in the music business. You're in the Mm -hmm. business of selling this plastic and the music is the value add to that. So those are, in my mind, sort of concepts that kind of constructed who you are today, right? You grew up and you start this food company and then you gain an interest in keto. And so you build a brand off of that. So talk a little bit about recognizing trends, work ethic, and how to parlay that into a business or a brand. Because really, that's a challenge for creatives, whether you're a podcaster, a musician, or an entrepreneur, we're all creatives. And we all have to take those concepts that you learned and parlay those into success. So talk a little bit about that. That's a great question. That's probably one of the best questions I've had. I would say that taking the skills or taking your business And understanding what your value is has everything to do with your why. Like, why are you doing it? And if your why isn't coming from a space of contribution, you're really not going to have anything. I mean, what I've learned over the years is you could do a lot of stuff for money, right? I mean, like I see as a food manufacturer, we have the ability to co-pack people's products. And over the past two months, we have been inundated with people that want us to pack hand sanitizer which is terrific if you're looking to get hand sanitizer to people that need it, like the first responders. But I see a lot of people that that are getting into the hand sanitizer business because they want to make quick money. They want to make fast money. And I think anytime you do that, anytime you go into a business or you go into any type of an enterprise with strictly the focus of, I'm going to make money and I'm going to make a lot of it, that becomes very temporary. I mean, life goes by super quick. And your legacy is what you leave behind. And money goes quick too. You could make $20 million, but then next thing you know, you've got a house payment that's $100,000 a month and you're paying off your Maserati and, and you see that money just go away. And when I was younger, that's what I used to focus on. It's like, I want to get rich quick. And as I've gotten older and I've been able to define my why, and I've been able to understand the legacy that I want to leave behind, it's really all about contribution. Like, what are you doing to make the world a better place? Like, we're in the food ingredient business, and definitely we're in the food ingredient business to make money. But really, we're in the food ingredient business to make a difference. And that difference is clean label sugar reduction. So, we are looking for ways to constantly help companies innovate to reduce the amount of sugar that they've got in their products because sugar is the number one contributor to what I call diabetes. And so this is our why. And it's different than, yeah, I'm in the business to make money. Well, we're in the business to do good. And if we do good, we should do well. I like that. If we do good, we should do well. I also like how you tie it in your why. That's so, so important. I wish in some respects that I have had gotten that concept earlier in life. Because you're right, it goes by so fast. I look and now I have a 13-year-old and it's like, I'm officially old. Like I have a teenager. (laughs) Time just goes by so fast. So again, really understanding your why is extremely important. I really like how you tied in the why of your company as well. Talk about that a little bit more, your company and why you guys do what you do. 
Well, it was interesting is I started this business almost 20 years ago. So I ran into a, a gentleman who'd come from Paraguay and he had these green crushed up leaves and he said, Hey, you should try these. And I tried it and it was really sweet. And that's when things sort of went off for me. It's like, wow, this could make an amazing sugar substitute. And at the time, the FDA had just allowed for aspartame to be used as a sweetener. And ironically, the leaves that I had were stevia leaves. And in their natural state, they were like 25 times sweeter than sugar. But at that moment, I was like, okay, so we can make a difference here. Like aspartame has been linked to Parkinson's and other neurodegenerative disease. So at that point, I'm like, okay, so my goal is to be the natural version of aspartame, which is NutraSweet. And I think that right even from the beginning, I was like, yeah, I want to make a difference. I want to go against mainstream. I want to do what's right in the world and bring a natural sweetener to the market. And that was 20 years ago. And time goes by super quickly. And when you say, hey, I wish I would have known these things or practice these things when I was younger, there's not a day that goes by that I don't have that. Like when I'm in my journaling process, I was like, oh my God, I wish I would have known these things like 20 years ago, or I wish I would have let go of this. I mean, the things that we hang on to, like fear and our concern over what other people think of us and not being able to embrace full self-acceptance. These are the things that really hold us back. And so as you mature and you get older, it's like, yeah, what a ripoff. It's like, <laughs> now, now I have less years left than I have behind me. And it's like, I'm still learning stuff every single day. Like I'm still practicing self-acceptance and building a higher level of self-respect and compassion. And it's a constant process that you can't have one foot in the past and one in the future and expect to be present. So I try to block that off. <laughs> <laughs> That was phenomenal. So let me ask you a little bit about that. We were talking about concepts of life and self-awareness and things like that. Inspiration being a driving force, what is inspiration to you and what inspires you? The triumph. So I would say that what comes up for me are the things that can just break me down into tears are triumph. Like people overcoming adversity and people just using sheer determination to move themselves forward and endurance and resilience. Those are the things that inspire me. So when I see people do that and when I see people overcome things and I see people sort of triumphantly emerge from adversity, that inspires me big time. Got it. Now, motivation being a pulling force, what is motivation to you and what motivates you? Well, I mean, for me, motivation comes from within. Like, I think that you can go see people like Anthony Robbins. I'm a big fan of Anthony Robbins. You can go see them and you can think of them as a sort of a motivational speaker. And when you go see Anthony Robbins for a week afterwards, you're supercharged and you're motivated. But motivation really comes from within. And I really think that motivation is your choice of habits. Like if you create good habits, these are things that live in in motivation. So if you're motivated to get up in the morning, if you're motivated to journal, if you're motivated to work out, if you're motivated to focus on your goals, if you're motivated to take a look at your life each and every day and ask yourself what I can do to just be a little better, those are the things that I find to be sort of motivational. And those can't come from other people. That has to be part of who you are. 
And that takes discipline. So motivation definitely comes from within instead of without. Got it. Now, if you had to pick one, I'm assuming that there have been multiple or many, one butterfly moment in your life where you went from being in a cocoon to blossoming into a beautiful butterfly. (laughs) It's funny because I just journaled about this this morning. And I would say when I look at my life in the most courageous moment, like when was I the most courageous and and how did I feel afterwards? And that's something that I really journaled hard about today. And oddly enough, I would say that it was when I went through a divorce, when I decided to pick myself, when I decided to live for myself. That was a butterfly moment for me because I was terrified to go through it because it was going to be expensive. It was going to be painful. It was going to be shameful. You know, People were going to be disappointed in me. So I was like, really hung up in what everybody was going to think about me when I blasted through the other side. And so I really, I just hunkered down and I just went through it. And out of it, it was expensive. It was painful. It was embarrassing. But on the other side of it, my business grew. I wrote a book. I literally fell in love with myself, meaning I put myself first. And that one of many, yeah, like coming out of a cocoon is a butterfly. But that was the one thing that I was thinking about this morning that was pretty impactful. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Sure. So teach us something, Tom. Take about two minutes to become Professor Tom and enlighten us about anything that you like. Well, there's a couple things that I work on right now. And I'm not sure which way to go. Like one of them is about letting go, like the practice of letting go. And I've been really dwelling on that for the probably past year through my journaling process. So I just lean into the letting go process. And so I would encourage people to let go of fear, let go of anxiety. Fear and anxiety live in the future. They don't happen right now. And if you're absolutely present, you don't suffer from fear and anxiety. And I would say that the biggest fear that people have is the fear of what others think. And I think that the next biggest fear is fear of death. Like we're all afraid of dying. We're all afraid of oblivion. And none of us are 100% sure of what happens. But I encourage people to shift their perspective on that because it's the thing that also ties us all together as human beings is our mortality. Like we're only here for a slight glimpse. And the human experience is like, I think the Buddhist monks said it best when they said the human experience is as rare as throwing a gold ring into the ocean and having it land over the head of a tortoise. So, I mean, the human experience is so rare. And I would say, let go of wasting time with living in fear and anxiety, what other people think of you and your own mortality and loss and decay and live in the present and live in constant gratitude of this beautiful human experience that you've been given as feels full of experiences of like joy and challenges that help you learn and grow to be a better person. Awesome. Thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. So this happens to me almost every week, Tom, where I look and the time has just flown by. (laughs) So we've come to the end of our conversation. Wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. But if people want to reach out to you to learn even more about you, your business, and your wisdom, really, how can they do that? So my side hustle is the keto thing. 
So if you go to guygonketo.com or you go to any of the socials under Guy Gone Keto, you're going to see some posts and some of the things that I write about. You also see this keto thing that I'm into. If you want to see sort of the weird science stuff that I'm involved in, I would go to iconfoods.com, I-C-O-N foods, plural.com. Go to Icon Foods, you'll be able to see what we do, the why behind we do it, some of our successes. And yeah, I wish we could have some of our failures on there. (laughs) (laughs) Our PR agency is like, no, you don't want to show people how much you screw up, like how we learn. So Guy Gone Keto or Icon Foods and DM me on any of the socials. I'm really good about getting back to people. You can find me on LinkedIn, Tom King, T-H-O-M-K-I-N-G. And yeah, reach out, say hello ask me questions. I'm here. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Tom. Ali, thank you so much. This is really, really good. Thank you. Enterprisers, if you got value from that awesome conversation, let the world know by subscribing to the email list and leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. That helps us know that we're bringing you golden nugget field conversations with the most inspirational business owners. Reach out at podcast at enterprisenow.net with any feedback or questions for me or any of my guests. Thanks again, folks, and we'll talk with you guys next time. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.